be in our midst and change us this morning in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Steve. Thanks, everyone. <clears throat> yeah, it was amazing hearing that worship and Jib's prayer and those testimonies. Uh, they're essentially a good summary of what I'm about to talk about <laughs> the next 30 minutes. But that's just amazing because um, they're just truths about God. And, and I hope that's what you hear today. Um, so in our passage uh, today, uh, we see that uh, trials place us at a need for wisdom, which is on offer from God, so that we may have the power to endure our trials until the end and receive the crown of life or eternal life, which is granted to everyone that loves him. And so last week we read, we ended with verse 4, but obviously this, this, these verses are very tied to verse 4. Uh, the, verse 4 said, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then this obviously sounds wonderful, right? I mean, perfect, lacking nothing. This makes someone think that if you come to church, it's going to be a mix between an Olympic podium and a beauty contest, right? All these pe perfect people coming together, it's just amazing. But it's not exactly like that, is it? Life is not exactly like that. And as we gather in our small groups and we, and we shared uh, the trials we're enduring and the, the hope and wisdom God has placed in our lives, uh, it's not exactly like that. It's not, it's not perfect. Uh, but get, James understands that, and he doesn't leave us there, right? The very next verse, after he says, lacking nothing, he says, if you let, lack wisdom, let him ask God, right? So James is telling us we need one thing as we face our trials and as we endure this life, and that is wisdom. That is wisdom. So what is wisdom? Right? And, and I think, the, well, the Bible has a lot to say about wisdom. There's whole books that are deemed to be wisdom literature. Uh, there's all through New Testament, it speaks of wisdom. And, and something about wisdom that's distinct about wisdom from knowledge is that it seems to be associated with action. Right? And, and, it, and Josh put up that minty. He says, is it more important to think the right things or do the right things? And as it should be, it was a 50-50 split, right? And we know that wisdom is actually the combination of, of these two things. And I believe our culture uh, and our language understands that as well, right? It's, it's when, you, when you look for wisdom, is it not when you're at a crossroads, when, when you need something to be done, when, when you seek someone who's been there before, right? These are the things that we can't Google, right? These are the things we must seek after because it's not so simple, uh, as reading the next protocol or what to do. And in general, we seek these things and we understand that we want wisdom because of this combination of understanding and action to bring about the best possible result in our lives. Right? And the best possible result in our lives are the things that bring us the most happiness, the most joy. As Proverbs says, Happy is the one who finds wisdom, right? And we want that. We seek after these things. But it's not always that simple, right? When we come to God, we come to God and we say, in these moments, in these trials, we wait until these moments and we fall to our knees before God and we say, God, what do we do? Like, help me. I, need, I actually need an answer. I cannot go forward without an answer. I must act. I must know. Help me. Empower me, show me, and and even that prayer alone just uh, gives me a, a picture of these times in our lives where we see the things in our lives 
slipping through our hands. Our marriage, our kids, our financial well-being. Right? These are things that drive us to the point to know that we need wisdom and we become desperate for it. And so today we'll look at three things. The wisdom of God, wisdom of the world, and wisdom for you, wisdom for me. Let's look at wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 2, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1, 20-24, it says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, though in the wisdom of God. We preach Christ crucified, which is Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Yeah. Ephesians 1, 7-10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the richness of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, Jesus, we find redemption through his blood, which he lavishes on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, which he set forth in Christ. The wisdom of God is that we are reconciled to him through mercy and grace. That while we are still enemies of God, he sent his son Jesus to die on our behalf. And so that we may have eternal life. God himself pays the price for our salvation. That is the wisdom of the cross, the wisdom of God, the thing that all things point to. In Timothy it says, the scriptures were given to you, the whole Old Testament, the histories were given to you to make you wise for the salvation through Christ Jesus. All things, all God's wisdom is bringing us to this. And this hope that we have is solidified in the resurrection that God rose, or that Jesus rose from the dead and he has power over death and has life to give to all who receive him. And when you think about the scope of your life, how is this not the best possible outcome? That we may be united through Christ with God forever. That we can leave trials behind and experience life, real life, with God forever. It seems a bit ridiculous to want anything else, doesn't it? Can you imagine if we line up the kids and we say, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, oh, I want to be a rock star and a doctor. Oh, I want to be a, a chippy. I want to be a businessman. It's like, well, what do you want to be, little girl? 
It's like, I want to be reconciled to my Father and live an eternal life free from trials. So, okay, I want to be with that girl. I want what she wants, right? It's like these trivial things that we, we set our hearts on seem ridiculous in the scope of what God has planned for us. So it may seem obvious, um, but maybe not. Maybe it's not so obvious. So let's look at the wisdom of the world. 1 Corinthians 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I don't think I need to say much about the wisdom of the world other than it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know this. You know that when you say, oh, I'm a wayward child reconciled to my father through the death of Jesus Christ, you know that thing that happened a while ago. Oh, yeah, my father is the creator of the universe and all things, including me, including you. You know you don't get the reaction of, oh, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Right? To the religious person, they say, that's absurd. It's impossible. God would never die for you. You must pay for your sins. You say, no, I don't. And the agnostic says, that's ridiculous. You couldn't possibly know these things. You couldn't possibly know God. You couldn't possibly know you're saved. You couldn't possibly know the way to eternal life. Or just the Australian response. Uh, Good for you, mate. (laughs) The gospel, 90% of the time, maybe 99, 100% of the time, that's the response you've probably gotten. At least that's been (laughs) in my life. (laughs) And it's not just a declaration of our our faith, right? It's, It's how we live our lives that set us apart and display the gospel. I remember being in a pub one time talking to a random guy. And he said, I would never be a Christian, you know, even as a safety net, I wouldn't do it because you give up every Sunday to go to church. It's like, do you realize that's 50% of your time off your whole life? I go, mate, it's like, we do small groups on Wednesday night, we do Bible study on Friday mornings, we holiday together, we worship night on Tuesday. You know, I was like, oh, and we like set, a time, set aside time every day for reading the word of God in prayer. A bit of an embellishment. But he just looked at me and he just goes, you're an idiot, and walked away. That was the end of our conversation. It's like, it's more ridiculous than you think. And it's just, again, the way we live our lives. And uh, Campbell told the story about how he was just telling his coworker he was going over to a friend's house uh, for dinner. He's like, oh, okay, you, you do. He's like, oh, yeah, we get, every week he cooks, he cooks me dinner, and we, we, like, talk about church and stuff. He's like, wait, he cooks you dinner? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, like, who pays for it? Like, he's like, oh, yeah, well, like, we all kind of cook each other dinner. And he just, the, he, God couldn't comprehend. He just couldn't understand the simple thing of inviting people into your home, even people you don't know, and providing food for them. It's, it was absurd, and these things are normal things for us. And also, it's the words we use. Christians, the thing that always sticks in my mind is how much Christians love marriage. It is, sometimes I'll go on Spotify and I'll just search, uh, like, husband, marriage, and I'll just 
to listen to a podcast about marriage. And anytime they're just expounding on the beauty of marriage and how to be a better husband, every time I'm like, oh, they got to be Christians. And I listen long enough, and sure enough, they are. Right? The world isn't about marriage, right? It's about you. It's about me. It's about self. And the worldview on trials is very distinct than what we read in our passage. The goal is not to endure. It's to avoid. It's to escape. So the one thing you must know about the wisdom of the world is it's not the gospel. And if you seek the gospel, you must be willing to be a fool to the world. And I know this is not easy, particularly in our day and age where the acceptable, what's acceptable, what is right, is becoming narrower and narrower, and the Christians are finding themselves on the outside of that more and more. The idea of being intellectual about being right is held at such high regard, we almost feel like we don't exist in our society if we're considered foolish. But the wisdom of the cross is foolishness to the world. So wisdom for me, wisdom for you. We'll go back to our text. James 1, 5 to 12. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. In the face of trials, God provides wisdom to the Christian, which draws you deeper into mercy, grace, and power of life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which through the Holy Spirit brings maturity of grace sufficient to endure the trials of life unto the great and everlasting joy of life, joy of eternal life. But that can seem a bit distant, right? Like, even when you know Jesus is your Savior and you have confidence in your eternal life, trials come, and when you're brought to that moment where it feels like the things of our lives are falling through our hands, like even the good things, and we know that we can't stay here. We can't stay in that moment where these things are slipping through our hands. When God does not leave us there. This passage is written for Christians, not for their salvation, but for in those moments where God says he provides wisdom. The same wisdom that brought you into salvation is the wisdom that will bring you through this trial. God meets us amongst our trials. In verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Verse 12 makes it seem like this trial will last forever. 
we endure until we die. <clears throat> and the reality is they do. Trials always come. We're not left in this moment, but the trials are there. And that's largely because the source of our trials is not just our physical situations, but primarily within our hearts. Even when, we, when we're experiencing physical pain or loss, is it not the isolation, the loneliness, the feeling of inadequacy or the betrayal of God in our hearts that makes the trial so painful? And we know that as our trials, as we endure trials, the goal is steadfastness in faith. But there is a battle of principalities to throw your faith. Right? Our battle is not just flesh and blood, but it's spiritual. And God is putting wisdom into the darkest parts of our hearts. Right? He's putting things where it matters. He's bringing light into the darkness through our trials. He's not bringing wisdom into the what do I wear trial, right? It's the I'm insecure. I don't like myself. I'm afraid of what other people think of me. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be known. I'm insecure. Right? And these powers of principalities of the devil are wooing you into that, into those spaces, to maintain that darkness in your heart. And the wisdom of God is bringing light into those places. And God is wooing you. Right? He's placing this wisdom in you. Even throughout prayer, there's, there's something in your heart that you know is there. It's so, so often, the answer to our prayer has already been given by God but we don't want to go there. We don't want to see the light in the darkness because to see the light, we must go into the darkness. All right, we want to go on our default mode. The wisdom of the world is planted in our hearts so deeply. It's so deep within us. And every moment God places wisdom, it challenges the darkness in our heart. And I get it. I definitely get it. Yeah, my biggest trial of my life to date, and some aspects of that trial remain, was God coming into my life and simply telling me who he is in a way that transformed my life forever. And in 2017, I had a trial, a very small trial. I just couldn't sleep for a week or two. It wasn't that long. And I had the idea that I would go get a Bible because I figured it would help me get to sleep. <laughs> God knew what he was doing. I opened up the Bible and read just three verses. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now and this time houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last 
in the last first. In that moment, through those words, God placed wisdom in my heart. That my action was I had to leave. I had to move to Australia. And when I told my mom, she cried, as any mom would. On the way to the airport, my dad, being a good dad, was encouraging. He said, you're going to do great. This going to be such an adventure. You'll have so much fun. Two years really isn't anything in the scope of things. I couldn't even look at my dad. I just stared out the window. I couldn't even pretend that this wasn't what I wanted. That I was being brought into another trial. I was heartbroken. But God had planted a seed of wisdom in my heart that told me, if I can give you eternal life, I can give you all things. This is exactly what Jib prayed this morning, almost word for word. Right? It's because those who know God know that it's true. That doesn't always make it easy. And in that moment, I was in that space of that picture, you know, of the things in my life. And in that moment, everything seemed to be in my hands and falling through the cracks. My career was gone. I was running away from my family and my friends. My career, my acknowledgement, my success, everything I've worked for. It's going through my, through my hands, and my tears are just washing these things out through my hands. But as I look at my hands, I, just, I see that they're not closing. I'm watching them go, and it's, I'm weeping over the loss of these things. My hands stay open. It's the power of God. When we realize the wisdom of God brings us into the life, real life, the life that challenges everything that we know, we struggle. It's a trial. But it's so good that wisdom brings freedom and understanding and confidence. And I'm just telling you, don't close your hands. God has placed wisdom in your heart that is telling you what to do. If you can't find that wisdom, go to prayer. Go to the Word. It's there. His wisdom is on offer for you. He does not deny it to anyone who asks for it and wants it. Don't be double-minded. But remember, when God plants his wisdom, you have to know, do you want to be a fool? Do you want God to bring light into the darkest parts of your heart? Because God's light is not one thing. It's not one moment. His wisdom begins to fill our heart and change every aspect of our life and changes the way we think and act in every situation. 
Don't let God be the last resort. He has something in his heart for you. In your heart, he's planting seeds in your heart. And if you're not a Christian, and you hear what I'm saying about the power of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, to transform your life and bring you eternal life, and you don't think that's really ridiculous, you should know that's not normal. That is a seed of God's wisdom in your heart to tell you, turn away from the darkness in your heart. Learn to love the light I am placing before you. And I, well, where am I now? So as, as you guys know, I did get on that plane. And God has been so kind and generous to me where I was, felt like I was forfeiting my family. God has only grown my family. He's given me a wonderful wife, a beautiful little boy, another child to come. And he's given me this church. And he's brought me into this diverse, multi-ethnic, multi-background, beautiful, beautiful family that extends beyond this place and throughout the world. And I was blown away when Charlotte and I traveled to the U.S. and we joined a church and I met one guy for an hour and I was just, I was just like, you're my brother. Like, I love you. I care for you. I want to pray for you. And as I saw some old friends, they seemed so foreign to me. The people who are my blood brothers seemed so distant. <laughs> But the reality is, my family um, is a bit of a mask to the darkness that still sits in my heart. This desire not to be a fool. I don't want people to think that I'm foolish or that I'm a failure. And my wife makes me look very good. <laughs> my son looks, makes me look very good. But the reality is, I'm still in the midst of this trial. And it's primarily around what James speaks to in this passage, this desire for riches, right? That can be the measure of the man. The success is measured by the output of his wealth. That's the wisdom of the world, and that's something that still exists in my heart. When I first came to Australia, I used to calculate what I was getting paid in the US and what I was getting paid in Australia after tax. How calculate per year, per month, per hour. Just dwell on this, but that was a little thing, right? But I knew I was here for two years, I could endure, I could make up for lost time. But that wasn't God's plan, right? God's wisdom was not to bring me into the future of financial success and acumen, but to get me just a little bit further down the track, to push back a little bit more of the darkness. Then I have a child. I move part-time. That's foolish. The loss that is un un uncovered through that, right? And I think all the time, almost daily, about what people back home think about me. 
all my friends are very successful. And I wonder if they think I'm an idiot. It took me almost to the point where I was ordained to text them to let them know I was going to be a pastor. Because I was worried about what they would actually think. Not what they would say. They would say, good for you. That's great. Proud of you. But what they would actually think. How is he going to pay his mortgage? How much does a pastor make? Right? Yeah, and my heart longs for financial success, not because I love money. I'm a very cheap guy. <laughs> I've bought nothing that I'm wearing. <laughs> but it's because of the way it can make me seem wise that other people will look at me and think I did all the right things and that I'm successful. So I need you to pray for me as I've prayed for you guys. God's wisdom goes deep. It's very deep. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, I will soon boast of my humiliation so that I do not wither like the grass but find eternal life from the grace of the wisdom of the cross. And I pray for you, I really do, that you're willing to go into the depths of your heart where you'll find the light and the wisdom of the cross. Don't be double-minded. Do not turn away. It's there. You just have to be willing to go for it. And God will give you the power to do it. He's planted this seed. If you're here, he's planted a seed in your heart that makes you at least a little bit want it. You gave up something to be here. Probably something good. But do not be afraid for the wisdom of God is Christ and Christ crucified, through which he brought you eternal life. And this is our hope. It is a hope so powerful, so good, that it can fill every aspect of our lives and provide us endurance to the end.